Hi, I'm Libby Fulton. And I'm Greg Greenfell. And, and we, we like to garden. garden. Like to garden. We like we like to garden. We like to garden. We like we like to garden. So this week we have a very special guest and we're really, really excited to have her and hear all about it. It's Nikki from Birch Hill Flower Farm. Hi Nikki. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I met you a few weeks ago now at one of your flower workshops, your bouquet making workshop, and that was so much fun. And I talked about that on the podcast, and so we just thought it would be a great opportunity to hear heaps more about it because I'm sure heaps of our listeners out there. Flower farming seems to be – I've seen it popping up, lots of people starting flower farms. Um, mm. It seems to be something that's kind of like happening at the moment. Yeah, there's certainly a movement towards um, – people getting into well gardening for a start off but um expanding that into the flower farming movement which yeah. is really exciting so have you always been interested in gardening i've loved gardening like um it must have skipped a generation but um <laughs> my my grandmother and my grandfather were, were very keen gardeners my grandfather was um he loved trees and so I've planted some trees, certainly in his memory. And my grandmother had a wonderful garden. And I don't know where it came from for me. I've always just, um, you know, I, things have been tough in my life. And I've always relished the opportunity to make where I'm living beautiful. So it kind of started from there when I when I was flatting, you know, and things like that with, with children, little children on my own. I wanted it to be a really nice place. So um, my love of plants started there. I, I did a degree in um, linguistics, and so I have a natural affinity for the botanical mm. names and things like that. So That wow. must be really handy, yeah. That kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Is I struggle with it massively. Yeah, same. Well, I still do. As you probably know, Greer, I can walk around the flower farm and someone will ask me, what's that? And I have a momentary lapse of, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I can't remember that name. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I'll, I'll come back to you. But I, I do really relish getting to know the botanical names and um, and the common names and, and knowing a little bit about where the, the plants thrive the best and, and trying them in my own garden. So, yeah, so, so my journey started – Absolutely, from my love of gardening, but um, I'm also creative, and so that that lent itself a lot to um, the flower farming aspect in terms of the bouquet making side of it, holding workshops, yeah, and and planning out how my farm's going to look, and you know, it really is painting with plants. I mean, I, I yeah, you've got you're looking at the whole at gardening not only encapsulates like your life, but the visage of how you want to live your life too. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I want it to be something that totally fills me up. And mm -hmm. I and I already know from this little snippet that I've had working, um, doing this as a sort of side hustle that, yeah, this is the direction I need to be going so that the, that, that side of me can mm. really be filled up. You know, mm. um, I turned 50 last year and I just feel like hmm, I've really got to do something that, fills me up yeah. and this stuff. And isn't it, that so. amazing to be able to find your passion or know already what your passion is, but then to create an action out yeah. of that and 
that's just so beautiful to see because not everybody gets that in their life, you know, not everybody finds that or no. is able to do it. And let me say, you know, um, it, it's never too late. This is what I <laughs> am finding. I it, it's really never too late to follow your dreams and have a passion that you yeah. can explore. It's scary, yeah. but it's yeah, it's scary it's really cool. at any age, isn't it? You always think that, oh well, yeah. if I start now, you know, I'm kind of stepping back a little bit. But the years are going to pass, regardless of whether you started or not, aren't they? Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, hey, look, no time like the present. So I'm oh, diving so in. Good, <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted to start the sort of um, cut flower? sort of side to with your gardening when did you sort of yeah so um that's a good question because a lot of people have asked me that and you know with with modern technology now and me with you know I delve into stuff and I love to read and research and all sorts of things so there's lots of avenues but I must say Pinterest I went down that rabbit hole and I haven't get lost (laughs) I haven't come out and I love it. But then I found YouTube and oh my gosh. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. because um, with the Pinterest thing, because Jane from Secret Gardens, mm. she said that when she was starting her own garden, she used Pinterest heaps. That was her main yeah. um, source of inspiration and looking up plants and getting ideas. It's a great resource. I find it's just like everyone's collective favourites in one place and then you create folders and chuck them into the air and you've forever got yeah. this resource on hand. And from there, um, you know, I, I follow a lot of farmers on YouTube from all around the world. You kind of I, – I like Secret Gardens curate my own um, – I guess, philosophy on how I want to farm my flowers. And I'm certainly a big believer in the slow flower movement with um, sustainability, you know, organic as possible, uh, and providing flowers to Mm. the local market. You know, we ship so many flowers in that um, it's really important to me that, you know, people get to see what can be local and what can be heirloom of our mother's grandmother's generation um coming back into vogue wonderful yeah I think it's like that full circle movement that's actually it's had a revival but it's not it's not anything new I mean it's been around since the 70s is that you know eating locally eat seasonally but like in the garden you should be doing that too and like for people out looking for flowers you hear people wanting pennies and you know uh, autumn wedding yeah. it's just not going to yeah. happen no. <laughs> you know what I mean but they come to wholesalers or they go to the florist and say oh I want you know if a picture of their bouquet and of what they want it's like well that's not really realistic and so the more people understand that about the seasons and what's available locally what you've is going to make you know be beneficial for you as growers in creating like a more demand and mm. then you know it's it's just absolutely be, and I think, perpetuate that cycle yes it's it's very much like the field to table yeah. movement yeah where it's um you know the field to vase and and people are field to vase I've never heard of that that's awesome yeah cool though yeah. um 
and and it's where people are becoming so much more aware of where their produce is coming from. You know, what's the first thing we do when we get a bunch of flowers? We smell them. Well, <laughs> I want people to be able to and in, get intoxicated with the smell without any feeling of oh, are there chemicals yeah. in this or yeah. you know, and also knowing that it's come local mm. from a local. Yeah producer and yeah and it is a lot more as a consumer it's a lot more fulfilling I think when you uh buy when you're spending your money and you know that you're directly helping someone in your community rather than kind of a faceless organization yeah exactly yeah I think yeah I love the whole support local philosophy and I I must say this year I've been a part of the floral collective in Canterbury and it's been amazing such a wonderful group of growers we're only small but we are providing blooms to the market that we've got florists that are so keen and so supportive and you know um really embrace what we do and so I, I just think it's it's going to be a lovely partnership moving forward where hopefully more growers will come on board more florists will come on board and so that that kind of yeah. picks up a little bit of momentum and as you well you guys have a kind of like a market day where you will go and if you're in the floral collective you go somewhere and yeah so um as you guys know I work full-time off the farm but I pick on a Wednesday and um, during the season this year, near the end especially, as the nights have been getting darker earlier, I've employed someone to help me so that when I get home, she's kind of done some and then I can finish it off. So we do the picking on a Wednesday and then Thursday mornings we meet at um, a church hall in Rickerton. It's a wonderful location. The florists come to us. They've placed orders early in the week and then they buy or they pick up the orders and then if there's things that we bring along that are spare, which I try and do every week, you know, they're, they're there for the for the taking That's as well. So, cool. so, yeah, it's really cool. And, and is the floral collective, is that promoted through any of the um, florists so that if – any listeners or anyone is to go, um, you know, specifically looking, you know, to support local that they're aware of that. Yeah, that wonderful, wonderful question. Yeah. Um, we've got a great grower, Sarah, and she's from Unfurling Flowers and she, Unfurling's Flowers and she, yeah. um, she's our administrator and she sends a list out early in the week, every week and to, to all florists in Canterbury and, Whoever you know isn't signed up can certainly um, get in touch and, and sign up with her. But there's quite an extensive list of florists she sends out to, an availability kind of list. Um, mm. And yeah, so if anyone was interested, um, if if you're a florist or an event designer, unfortunately we don't sell to the public, but um, we're certainly open to more uh, florists and event designers coming coming to us. Cool. Um, then please do get in touch with Sarah at Unfurling's Flowers. Um, she's more than happy mm. to. Really awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty it. sure the name is very familiar. I'm pretty sure that we follow her on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> we follow her here. Yeah. yeah. She's a big dahlia yeah. grower. She's one. Yeah. yeah, she is. She's so cool. Yeah. And I think eventually it it could potentially have that um, area that you know, like you meet and things. You can you can find out you know 
if you scan a code where what you're eating so you know somewhere down the line you might get a bunch you might stop somewhere and pull over and get a bunch of flowers and be like ah you know find out these specifically like these dahlias came yeah. from so and so you know that would be so great so people get a real picture of like who, who put the effort in where these come from mm. what variety you know absolutely and the more knowledge that's out there and information you know as the potential for the future like how yeah. amazing could that be well, one of our—I mean, we've got so many supporters um, yeah. in terms of florists and event designers. Um, but just to reiterate an example, um, Mrs. Mm. Bottomley's she only buys New Zealand grown, and she's a, yeah. been a huge supporter of ours. So you can guarantee that one of our blooms potentially are going to oh, be there. You go. That's, 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 so, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's very yeah. cool. Uh, how? So you started the flower farm, how old is it? Two years, second season? Second season yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. how did you even get started? <laughs> started. Like what was, how did you even go from, from a beer right? paddock or lawn to a beautiful flower bed? Well, actually, guys, we didn't own the place um, when I fell <laughs> down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah. We had, we've always talked about buying and so we purchased in the February, but the September before we uh, I approached our landlord and said, would you mind if I, you know, did this in the paddock? Mm. And so we did five beds 10 metres long. Yeah, no, that's absolutely cool. And so we purchased it. And so I did my f- first season on five 10 metre beds. And then this season... I added another 16 beds. <laughs> 16. That's amazing. 50, yeah, 15 metres long, um, which was like a really ambitious thing to do when I'm trying to do it as a side hustle. <laughs> but time. I, I, I did it. Yeah, yeah, I did it. And um, I've come out the other side and I'm so proud of not mm. only what I've done, but my family for backing me. And um, yeah. I just know great things yeah. are going to happen. So that's why I'm going to chuck everything at it come yeah. November. That's so awesome. So, so good. And have you got more bids planned? Not no. at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> but wait till that free time opens up. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, I just actually, what it's about for me coming up to spring is and the, the coming season is actually being really smart about how I plant. And succession planting is very much a key to my planning this year and also too from what I've grown and and what's been um, popular or what I've enjoyed selling or what's done really well has given me a great indication of okay well some things I need to cut down on some things I need to expand on so just yeah just actually honing it in a little bit more reining it in and refining the school yeah 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 and doing that before I say, right, I'm yeah. going to have more beds because there's a lot of upkeep with all yeah. that stuff. So, And if you don't mind saying, so what do you think is from your experience the last two years, what is, like, for example, what's one flower that you've thought, even though I love it, it's just not working or it hasn't sold as well as I've thought? Mm. And maybe, or maybe the other hand, what's done amazingly that maybe potentially you didn't think would be yeah as 
successful as it was. I love Emmy Magus in mm. early spring. Mm. It is so eerie and just so beautiful in wedding work especially, but in bouquets, oh yeah. my gosh. It's... I'm a recent convert to Emmy Magus. I just planted some. I, they had some last season yeah. and I said to Libby, I don't think I'll even not have it in my garden now. It's amazing. Yeah, I just want it all season. But oh yes, it's a it's a cold hardy annual. Um, but what I what I think I I need to do is is plant it early, but then have another sowing yeah. a month later so that I yeah. get it just extending yeah. a little bit. I've already more. noticed heaps of yeah. self seeded yeah. emmys uh, popping up in my garden everywhere. I've got so many. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. cold, eh? I'm gonna have to say, yeah, and they last for so long in a vase. Ages. Yeah, and dried, they're beautiful yeah. dried. Um, I, I'm actually getting into drying a few flowers this year. I've never been a huge dried flower lover, but I plan on doing some really different things with the dried flowers this this season or during the winter, just mm. letting my creative side come out and see see yeah. what happens. And yeah, how do you choose the flowers that you grow? I've got to love them. But Mm. secondly, like I was saying earlier, um, I'm an avid reader and I love to watch YouTube videos on other flower farmers. And I do some research and find out, firstly, I've got to love it. Secondly, will it do well in my climate? Thirdly, um, what's the vase life? That's really important to me. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, how long does it hold up in a vase? And can I do a succession sowing of it? So there's a lot of different factors. I suppose the, the biggest thing is I've got to love it. It's got to have a purpose and a meaning to me. It's also got to be something potentially that the public aren't necessarily seeing regularly. So something that mm. can only be grown locally, doesn't ship well, but holds yeah. up beautifully in a vase. And what kind of climate do you have? I know you just mentioned it has to do well in your climate. So actually I'm out in Okuku, which is near Lowburn. We're about, oh, I don't know, half an hour from um, Christchurch. And we get frosts a little bit earlier and actually what I've found too is um, some of the other growers will have blooms starting two weeks before me so I'm generally about two weeks behind which works really well um, if we're doing the similar thing um, because you know the flush will go and then I'll come in and follow in behind so we're not really competing too much. That's very good yeah. That's excellent. Do you have dry quite dry summers out there we do although this season as you probably aware it was very wet so normally we have parched (laughs) burnt dry grass that you would look at and think nothing could grow there but you know it's been it's been green all year when you're driving out yeah anywhere and it's just so weird to see green hills everywhere (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah, which, I mean, it's great, but it also has its downside. Like I know with a lot of blooms that are field grown, um, you know, their petals do get really affected from overhead water. So everything I grow yeah. has, has the drip line. So even though it's been amazing for, you know, um, all sorts of gardening ad- adventures, flower farming, we kind of don't want that mm. overhead water as much. I, I really do prefer to control it 
as much yourself yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so that drip line is that something so when you start when you decide you're going to start a bed do you tarp it or put something down to kill the grass off first and then put the kind of drip lines in and then just put the seeds straight in or do you prep the soil so um so with my new 16 beds I I actually got um, my brother-in-law, who's a contractor, which is so handy, to come over with his tractor and dig up the whole place. Amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, backbreaking. Oh, so good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so good. And then I went in and measured each row, and people thought I was friggin' <laughs> nuts for doing that, but, you know. That's what you, you need to know. No, I, I need to know because I, I had yep. weed mat that I, I put weed mat in my eyeballs because yep. I didn't want any extra maintenance than I than I needed to. I'm not a huge advocate of plastic, but it's something that will be recycled yeah. year on year. Um, yeah. And all my beds are fully composted with mushroom compost. And I'm really oh, wow. yeah, trying to um, get my soil to a point where it's um, sort of that no dig yeah. type philosophy although there's so many weeds (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna be busy that's amazing and why did you decide to use like mushroom compost oh I just feel that it has all the microorganisms and biology that I need to amend my soil out here I'm on really stony ground so all the nutrients just seeps out really quickly and uh, I mean the chances of residual pesticide or you know um you know roundup or whatever in in mushroom compost is is I think slightly less than other types of compost so that was another reason but it's more about the the fungal um and growth bacteria that it'll offer my soil really yeah, it's amazing. I'm getting the main takeaway I'm getting here, Nikki, is that you're very passionate, but you've mm. literally thought out everything to such an amazing detail that it goes to show the credit of your flowers and everything that you've done because um, the quality's there because you've put in so much effort beforehand. Like your prep before sounds incredibly researched rather than something like <laughs> I would do, which was just go for it. Yeah. And you can tell. Thank you. That's I, yeah, that that's actually yeah amazing of you to say. It it is something that I I think with anything it starts with a re- really good foundation, and so yeah. the soil is it. Although yeah. you know, in saying that, Cosmos they don't like fertilizer. They don't like um, really rich hummus um, soil. You know, they I they didn't can, know that. Yeah, they they actually thrive better in poor soil, and there are some plants like that. So. And as I go on, I'm learning more yeah. about that. So, um, yeah. They do great agree as garden. Yeah, I mean, my garden <laughs> must be very poor quality soil because I have Cosmos for Africa. <laughs> I can't get rid of it. <laughs> and she had no worms to start with. So. It certainly depends on when you sow it yeah. as well. I mean, I, I last season I sowed Cosmos that – that came up really late and were so, you know, bountiful in their in their greenery, but no flowers mm-hmm. because I think my soil was too rich. So oh, yeah. yeah. 
don't know. It's a learning thing, and yeah. that's wonderful about gardening because you're learning all yeah, and the there's time. There's always another season, another time to tweak things. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always something yeah. that's going to go wrong, all the time. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's it too. And that, you know, and that's where. As much as I do all the research and all of that, I've got to keep it real so that, you know, if a crop fails, I mean, I'm farming. So there's going to be yeah. weather events. There's going to be things that have challenges. Yeah, I've got two puppies that, <laughs> oh, my gosh, thank goodness it's the end of the season. But, um, you know, lots can go wrong and you've just got to, you just yeah. got to take it. And You've got to take yeah. the highs and the lows, yeah. but the highs are worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And do you, yeah. um, with your, so you sow everything from seed, is that right? Well, not everything because I get dahlia tubers oh, yeah. in, and this year I'll be dividing some tubers and um, my perennials mm. are split, although I'm growing perennials from seed as well. But, yeah, I would say 80 to ninety percent is is yeah. grown from seed. And you yeah. start everything in your wow. greenhouse. Yeah, which is actually really <laughs> tiny. <laughs> it's only it's only three and a half meters by, I think two and a half meters. But I've got three yeah. tiers, so I've got yeah yeah. It it is absolutely yeah. chocker in um in germinating time, which starts for me in about so, June. And do you okay. use seed raising mix? Yes, okay. I do. This is something I think I really mm. need to invest in next spring because someone else from yeah, oh, Doreen from Loch Leven um, Nursery, she was also saying that it's essential to use seed raising mix. And I always thought it was kind of a crock. I'm like, oh, they're just trying to get more money. <laughs> but I think that I really should. Well, I, I do because I, yeah. I think – Especially the seed raising mixes that have vermiculite in them, and I actually buy mm. that separately and add it to oh, my yeah. mix, and that seems to to aerate and hold moisture, which is great because it's it stops. It sounds weird. It stops rot, but it yeah, also yeah. holds the moisture. Um, and that's essential because yeah. even my tiny little garden and my little tiny little greenhouse that I have, keeping on top of watering seedlings in spring is like a full-time job. And sometimes I still don't succeed. It is. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. It is. Yeah. You just have to get into a routine. Um, I guess my personality is very much, a, um, you know, I thrive on routines. So yeah. it lends itself quite well to that. Although... Uh, you know, sometimes I begrudge going and watering my seedlings every day as well. But, oh, you know. Especially if you're starting in June, I feel like that's very cold. <laughs> well, actually, in saying that, I do I, I do research what seedlings I can start yeah. earlier. Some can be planted out before yeah. frost. And um, yeah. those ones I will actually winter sow in um, milk bottles that I cut oh, in half. okay. And mm-hmm. I put um, – the seed raising mix in and I put my little seedlings in and whether they like light or not to germinate um, is how I'll sort of, you know, I'll, I'll either cover them with a little bit of soil or I'll just cover them with vermiculite, whatever they like. Mm. And then I will literally tape up the milk bottle, leave the lid off, put it outside for winter and forget about oh. it. And I did Amazing. a lot of seedlings that way. That that can handle frost. They're, they've got to be cold hardy. So the likes of your Amy Magus, 
um, your straw flowers, some of your larkspur. Larkspur mm. love cold mm. to germinate, so they're really good yeah. to do like that too. And then you just prick them out later and bump them up into um, ah. seed trays. So. I would also say it's amazing straw flowers. So when I went to your workshop, you still had heaps of straw flowers, and they were taller than me, and I did not know that straw flowers got that tall because mine stayed oh, at about 20 centimetres all summer and then it died. <laughs> So I had no idea they even looked I like that. Like, maybe I just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I got the monster mix. I think there was monster in the wood. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they were. Um, they were planted early, and do you know what? They're still hey. going. I can't believe uh, it. This is the first time I've grown store flowers, and yeah. I, seriously, I'll be yeah, doing it every year. That's love so them. gorgeous. Awesome. I love them yeah. too. And I'm going to try again yeah. because uh, mine were not a very good success. <laughs> well, <laughs> if they were, she's she's saying, putting this out there, they were, but they also yeah, they got did. overtaken, they the didn't go, they? But that's, fine. that's That's a story for another day. Uh, <laughs> and do you, with your <laughs> seeds, Nikki, do you breed any yourself or do you mm. buy them all? Or do, um, or do you even, like, let, keep any? Yeah, so I've saved some. Uh, the the difficulty I have in, in being an amateur still, I, I don't know what's going to be true mm. and I and I want to yeah. be very particular about what crops the I'm growing. Yeah. yeah. And, well and the colour. Mm. Like I grew corn cockle in white this year, which is also known by the name Agristema. And it's cold hardy and I grew it in white and there is a pink variety. But I didn't grow the pink, so I've saved all the white seeds, mm. and hopefully they'll come to tr- true yeah. true white. So I I think with varieties that you're growing, if you're only growing one colour, you can. I think so, but again, I'm an expert. I, I don't know. It's trial. It's trial and error. I grew lots of zinnias. I'm not saving any seed because I know that if they're open pollinated and you don't know what colour you're going to yeah. get. No, I really need to have no. the uh, – And it becomes an extra complete – that's almost another full-time job is the admin if you are going to start doing that of, like, covering mm. things or what are you going to leave open and – Yeah. 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 And working – even the logistics of working yeah. that out at the time. So, yeah. 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 So, um, but, I mean, watch this space. I'm, I'm certainly trialling different things and if anyone – can give me advice on open pollination and what um, what is mm-hmm. affected and can come true to form, then I'm all ears. <laughs> I'd love to know. Yeah. And do you get um, your seed here in New Zealand or do you import some? I haven't imported this season. I did when Chilton Seeds in the UK were allowing us to import, but they've mm-hmm. stopped that now, which is really sad because I've got some amazing things. But you know, um, we've really got some great suppliers here in New Zealand too that are mm. looking at, I think, what flower farmers are doing and what, what we require and so therefore are looking a little bit outside of the box as well and um, thinking about getting some some different things in that we potentially can all, yeah, grow and love. That's and cool. yeah. yeah. And again, once that sort of starts, it's opening up that cycle of supporting local yeah. and locally bred seed. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to take it back to um, when you talked about succession planting. Um, yeah. Do you have more success with some of the um, cold hardy or is it later in the season, are they 
sometimes harder with the heat? Do they sort of slow down or do they prefer getting that really good start in real early spring? Right. So it really depends on the seed. So like I mentioned, corn cockle, Amy Magus, they're mm. cold hardy. They perform really well when the temperatures aren't too hot. Mm. Um, I'm going to push it a wee bit and see how they do with the succession planting and how many I can get before they start to fade out. There's yeah. other plants like um, zinnias and amaranth, which only love the heat, so they won't do very well with the shorter days or the cooler temperatures. Mm-hmm. They only um, love the the hot, hot heat of summer. So they thrive, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess what I'm learning is, yeah, there's different different plants for different stages of the season and it's just getting the most out of those and how far you can kind of push you them. Push some compared to others. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that in general anyway with their just their regular garden is trying to work out the timing and if they need to do any succession plantings in their own garden or, you know, they can relate to that in the veggie garden as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a constant um, having to work with what you've got and it's just trial and error. Yeah. That is. And, and I guess, we're, you know, if we're relating it to veggie planting, I mean, as we know, lettuces do really well in spring and they do really well in autumn and they kind of fizzle a wee bit in the summer. They don't like it really hot. Oh, my God. Mm. I, they hate it. Yeah. I've never yeah. – I can never get over that. It's like brassicas. <laughs> yeah, so it's the same principles, I guess, and it's just it's just becoming aware of what the plant likes. When you're planning out your <laughs> flower beds, do you do any companion planting with them or do you just keep all that bed resource just for the seeds you're growing, flowers you're growing, sorry? I've done a little companion planting in my vegetable garden, but not so much in my flower beds. Although Mm. one thing I'm very mindful of, um, if anyone is wanting to cultivate a cut flower patch um, in their own garden, is to not plant the same variety in that same spot the next season. I think that's really important because a lot of plants, one, don't like it, and two, they take nutrients away from the soil, so you want to plant something else that's going to benefit the soil. So um, rotating my crops is really important to me. So what I'm going to do this year, I with my new 16 beds, I started my cool flowers I call them which are the cold hardy varieties at one end Mm -hmm. and then gradually move down to my warmer annuals at the other and so I'll flip it this year and so my my colder ones will start from the left hand side rather than the right and move up that way yeah that's a cool idea that's a really great um rotating and would you ever plant anything over like winter a quick like I don't know a clover or um uh, anything to put like nitrogen or anything back into it over yeah, winter? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of reading about that and actually in this current situation looking at all my weeds I wish I had um, <laughs> I certainly I certainly think a cover crop for what I'm doing is really beneficial one to add nutrients, two mm-hmm. to stop the weeds mm-hmm. um, and then you know, come planting time or before, you, mm. you whack them all down. Um, 
and you plant directly in the soil. You don't take up the roots. The roots, you know, actually mm. can give the soil a lot of um, nutrition and the worms are all there and it's not going to affect mm. any growing. So leave them there. Amazing. So that's sort of applying that sort of no-dig method into your cut flower yeah. garden. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. And do you grow anything over winter flower? Can you even – is there any, like, flowers over winter, really? Um, where we are, so we are considered, I think, about a US zone eight. So we're we're up there, but we don't have mild enough winters down south. I think up in the north of the North Island, they can grow some flowers year round, mm-hmm. but um, unless we've got a heated hoop house, I mean, really, yeah. there is that period of um of dormancy Mm -hmm. but the key thing is seeing what self seeds and comes up especially at this time of year i've got honey honey wort coming up i've got cornflower coming up and they've all just self-seeded in my garden so that to me is a key okay they like the cooler environment so that's something that will Mm. be able to take a mild frost yeah 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 And, and maybe extend that season out yeah yeah. Cool. And you grow as well as your so you've got your perennials and your annual beds. And then you also have uh greenery like shrubbery, foliage kind of stuff. And you had something really interesting which I thought was the gum trees and that you just keep mm-hmm. them. Are they gum? They are. They're um yes. they're a variety of gum, so eucalyptus, and um there are quite a number of varieties and some do really well here some don't because we're you know we get frosts and cooler in the winter so it's finding out what varieties do really well and so what I'm doing is coppicing them which means that um, in the late winter I will cut them down to about knee length and then they will rejuvenate and produce a lot more foliage um, from where they've been cut off. It's kind of like willows. You can do that with mm-hmm. the same thing. I think you can do it with wattle as well, um, which I'm, I've planted this year. But I think the best what – what I've heard is leave them in the ground for two years before you start coppicing them mm-hmm. and yeah. then away you go. Is that how you continually get like the um the lovely small leaves without it getting too big and woody and starting to grow into a a, a mature tree? That's it. So yeah. I don't want mature trees. I want reachable stems, and I want a lot of them. So that mm-hmm. to me seems like the uh, the best method. Yeah. And you also grow and use uh, herbs in your arrangements, which I think is just so nice. I l- it's so fresh. Mm. And I was trying to remember after I left what you had grown because. I remember there was, was it one apple mint? I really liked that one. Yeah, you yeah. talked about apple mint, Greer, yeah. when you came back. Yeah. She was she was glowing about reviews about it. <laughs> yeah. And what were the other ones that you grow and use, the other herbs? So, um, mint's wonderful because it's so prolific. And the two varieties that I grow are apple mint and spearmint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I grow them till they get little um, flower blooms on their stems. Which which generally means that they're quite woody and therefore are right for cutting because if you cut them too early, they'll wilt in the vase. So when they're woody is the best stage. 
That's a great tip because I've great tried tip. using herbs in my arrangements since then and they have wilted. So that is yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> woody, woody stems, wait till I, at that woody stage. So, um, and another fantastic herb I grow and will forever grow is Mrs. Burns Lemon Basil. Love it. Yes. And that had the kind of spikes of flowers on it. What is it? Was it? Spikes of flowers yes. and just. Citrusy, that lemon, beautiful lemon, um, with a hint of basil. It's just oh, so fresh. It smells and so um, describing. Yeah, in a in a bouquet with that spike and and the freshness. Ah, oh, I, I don't think yes. you can beat it. Um, you are a secret gardens garden, mm-hmm. so. Listeners will know that we love secret gardens. Yeah. <laughs> and so how did you, you've been with them since the beginning. How's that been? Right. And Have you enjoyed um, doing the workshops and everything? I've actually, I've loved it. And I, I don't know, along with um, my flower farming journey, I love being able to impart knowledge and I feel, um, I feel really humbled by the fact that I can do that. But also I love the teaching aspect and mm-hmm. having people there wanting to uptake that information. And, yeah, I, I mean, I'm self-taught. I'm not a florist, but I, I'm i creative and I've done sort of weddings over the last three years just on a, on a side sort of hustle type thing before the flower farm. To be able to actually run workshops and use my own flowers and uh, – it's so fulfilling. It's wonderful. Yeah, and you know, Secret Gardens is is a a great platform for me to be able to have people come. I don't have the administration, you know, headaches and things like that. They're the experts in that sort of field, and um, beautiful website, wonderful people, and you know, people that want to come and have a really cool experience, and I get to host it. Yeah, like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's one thing that really blew me away. Well, not blew me away, but I knew that it was going to be cool and that there would be cool people there. But you're so right. Like everyone who is there at a workshop or comes on a tour, they are there because they really are interested and they really want to be there. And they're generally just like, I can imagine everyone is just lovely because they're excited to be there and they're doing a really cool thing. And it's just such a great, yeah, it was just a really cool group of people. I really loved it. A great way of connecting people. Yeah, absolutely. And the people that I've met and and people that have come along, you know, there's been um, daughters that have bought uh, a ticket for their mother and they've come along and done it together, which is so special. And, um, you know, other people that are really interested in having a cut flower patch in their own gardens or people that just want to get out and do something different or other people that love, you know, cut flowers just the you know the the wide variety of people but they're all passionate and that's mm. what I love and so lovely and I think yeah. as well this is inspiring for people to come to you is seeing how that you're self-taught in your passion but also <laughs> um how realistic that you can learn to do a bouquet like Greer's bouquet when she showed me pictures I was just like it's amazing so that's inspiring <laughs> that people can learn you know, from someone and not feel daunted because sometimes it is yeah. feeling daunted, like, oh, I, you know, I haven't had any training, I'm not sure, or I'm not sure, yeah. what, you know. So, ha- having yeah. that realistic and open like that. 
And having a big group of, I think there have been maybe about eight people in my workshop, and you realize really quickly, everybody has got such a unique taste. Mm -hmm. All the flowers, because there's such a variety of flowers they can choose from at Birch Hill, everybody, their buckets looked totally different. Everybody's bouquets looked totally different. And you realize like there's no... Yeah, there's no wrong way to make one. It's just Mm-mm. whatever you find beautiful, and it's just it's really cool. I didn't know that, so that's a good like tip for our listeners. So everyone got to choose a different bucket. I was just assuming everyone. Got oh no, no, you choose. get an empty bucket, and then you just go and you. Just that's what I mean. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, you get to. Yeah, you get to select from whatever beds. That oh you've got yeah. Open. What, oh, wow. Nikki just let us go for it. We were just <laughs> yeah, going mad. Um, so I. I I guess I should run you through what what a typical workshop looks like. Yeah. So, so you guys, um, you know, you'll you'll book in and then you'll arrive and we've got a wee self um health and safety briefing that we do and mm-hmm. I put on some nibbles and some drinks and things and we wait till everyone gets there. I've got a space set up under the trees under a gazebo. There's tables all set out, a bit of music playing. Hopefully the weather's playing ball, but it doesn't really matter. Mm. Uh, I think when you came out, it was beautiful, Greer. Mm, and, it was amazing. Yeah. And um, and then I take you for a tour of my own garden, aside from the flower farm. And then I take you out to the flower farm, walk you around, talk you a, a little bit through the history of it and show you how to cut flowers, you know, the appropriate stem length and where to cut. And then basically I come back with either something I've prepared earlier, like a bucket of blooms I've already cut, or I cut them as I'm walking around. And I do a demonstration of um, how to put together a bouquet. So I've learned the spiral method, which, um, you know, can sound fancy, but what it actually means is that all the blooms have room to shine they sort of open up um the the bouquet opens up a little bit more than them all just being crammed in tightly together so that's the reason I do that I don't use any plastic so we tie everything with twine and so once um I've given the demonstration I say to the guys hey take some clippers in a bucket and here's the water and go to down nothing's off limits go and Yeah, go and oh. cut till your heart's content and get enough to, yeah. you know, make a beautiful bouquet and come back yeah. and have a go. And I walk around and and if people need help, I'm there for, you know, help. And there's no, there's no rules. Like, yeah, yeah, I teach you how to do a spiral. But if you, if you can't get it or don't want to do it that way, that's totally fine. Just enjoy your experience and I'm there to help. So. Yeah, sounds amazing. And you'll yeah, and you'll definitely be running more workshops next season. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And are you yeah. going to do? Because I know you did a couple or one or two. I don't know of the Christmas wreath making workshop. Yeah, yeah. So I plan to do. I I hope to do at least four. Cool. Yeah, yeah. because it was so popular and so much fun. I'm I make all the wreaths myself, so they're made out of willow, and then we, um, yeah, same process really. Although with the foliage at that time of year, it's, it's usually all supplied because there's not a lot really going on in the flower field. This year, I hope to incorporate some dried flower um, elements to it if people want to, just to add a wee pop of colour and um, 
something a little bit different. So it'll be fun. Oh, really? Mm, cool. You're going to be really busy. <laughs> I know. I am. <laughs> hey, November, I'm going to be doing this yeah. full time. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much for you. Mm, Amazing. Thank you. Oh, so cool. And so people can book, they only can book through Secret, Secret Gardens. Yeah. That's right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I say, wonderful platform, mm-hmm. easy, user-friendly. Just go to secretgardens.co.nz and you can find out all you need to know about many, many gardens, including yeah. mine. Yeah. Um, and we will put the um, the mm-hmm. link for Secret Gardens website will be in the show notes for this mm-hmm. episode, oh. as well as your Instagram, which is Birch Hill Flower Farm, if people want to follow your journey. Um, yeah, really, really And be cool. inspired. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so inspiring. I must say, during the, the cooler months, I won't be posting as regularly, but I did put it out there to see if anyone would be interested in hearing about the sort of behind-the-scenes flower farming um, escapades. And so there will be some things going up every now and then. So if people are following, it won't be, you know, every day like I was in season, but there'll be little tidbits just to keep you um, interested, see what's going yes. on. Um, I, I find that fascinating the behind yes. the scenes you know I personally would find it really amazing and helpful for me and my garden <laughs> is when to sow things because I never know when to start my yeah. flowers like I kind of like oh I don't know what time of year you're gonna flower so I don't know when to sow you is it too early like mm. yeah well it may not be this season but I have been thinking you know in in coming seasons I might have a grow along with me kind of oh um, that's cool, cool. Yeah, so when I'm sewing, I'll be putting it out there, letting people know. So if they want to kind of do the same, follow it, follow along, then um, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's really That'd cool. Be very cool. Mm. I would. We would both be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I say, it may not be this coming season, but <laughs> we like yeah. any guidance possible. Yeah. We do. <laughs> We'll oh, be no, you guys, you guys <laughs> awesome. You, I love what you do. You have such great advice. I think it's wonderful. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Some of it's come from a lot of era. <laughs> yeah. oh, and me too. So, you know, no one's yeah. immune. No. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so, so much. much. I think that's, is there anything else? Yeah. Is there anything you would like to add? I mean, I on a, I feel like we could talk for at least two hours more, but we've already been talking for an hour. I know, so. right? We could. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I just, I just want to thank you guys so much for um, having me on. It's actually a real honour. So I appreciate Aww. it. Oh, no, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and we're so excited, I think, both of us to see Birch Hill Flower Farm just go for it in the yeah. next few seasons. I, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to come in spring. Yes, yeah, I'm definitely. I'll be your first workshop. Yay. Cool, cool. I'm definitely going to do a Christmas wreath. Yay. Oh, definitely doing a Christmas wreath. I need to that, come and do yeah. a Christmas wreath. Because... <laughs> I was saying to Nikki, actually, when I was at the workshop, that her, because we, for some reason, like we couldn't go to her, to your one that you had no, maybe, or something came up or it was booked out or something. Mm. And it was but we got out. so inspired that we made our own um, wreath making workshop just yeah. with our friends. But we didn't have That's any cool. professional guidance and it did show. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was no. so big, like huge. And then when my, I got home, 
I was living at my parents at that time. My mum was just like, what is this? And I'm pretty sure um, I had heads of wattle seeds. Like, it, um, oh, yeah. It, and then they ended up opening on um, the stem, like, of the branches that I used. And I think it gave everyone in the house a sinus infection because <laughs> oh, my husband no. and mum were just chronic with it for so long. And they're like, mum's like, what is this that I'm breathing? <laughs> and it was the yeah. wattle. It was so yeah. strong. Uh, well, you see, I love the wattle flowers, and so I'm allergic to them. But uh, anyway, we'll see. Well, oh, well, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. And thank you so so much. And we will definitely be seeing you again soon. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Okay, thanks. Have a good evening. You too. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.